What You Need to Know is brought to you by Morongo. Play it safe. Good times. LZ, the ALCS is going on right now. Mm-hmm. And the Rays had a one nothing lead here in the fifth inning. And all of a sudden, the Astros have taken a 3-1 lead. And I saw Carlos Correa take advantage of something that the Braves have done. And I don't understand why more teams don't do this with their best hitters, particularly when they're up against the shift. Correa literally, like he was like, he just kept trying to hit it um, in, you know, opposite field, like to go against the shift. Actually, I'm sorry, it was Springer, it wasn't Correa. But I don't understand why these guys are professional hitters. How can you not just sit back and try to hit it opposite field against the shift? I don't understand why more teams don't do that, including the Dodgers. Because, man, just because you're leading the league in scoring doesn't mean that you can score from all places. You know, it just is what it is. Some guys are pure three-point shooters, and as soon as they step inside, they can't get a shot. Same thing with baseball. We have so many home run hitters, and so we just assume if you're batting 270 and you get like 30 home runs, you must be a great hitter. Not necessarily true. That yeah. just means you're really good at hitting home runs. Yeah. Uh, by the way, you're listening to KSB in Los Angeles. One uh, last thing and what you need to know there, uh, jo- Jovan Buha of The Athletic wrote a story about the Clippers' discord in the locker room. And uh, guys complaining, not that this is all that new, as he actually reported this during the season, was that guys were upset about uh, Kawhi getting preferential treatment, that he got to live in San Diego and they'd be late to flights. And here's what I would say to that, LZ. You and I have both covered the NBA for a long time, okay? How many star players do you know that didn't get preferential treatment in one way, shape, or form on a roster? If you didn't get preferential treatment, you weren't a star player. Right. The, the, <laughs> one of the few places, okay? One of the reasons LeBron left Pat Riley was because he wasn't getting enough preferential treatment. You know what I mean? Like, like there's very few places in the league that you don't get preferential treatment. So if, if the you're league, of, life. Right. <laughs> correct. Correct. There are extraordinary circumstances for extraordinary people, right? Right. And so, like, this, this needs to stop, man. Like, you know what I mean? Like, does Kawhi need to be a better leader? Sure. Um, he's had an easy go of it in that regard where in Toronto, excuse me, in San Antonio, he had Duncan and Ginobili and Parker and those guys, right, and Pop. And in Toronto, Kyle Lowry was clearly that guy, you know what I mean? Like, he was the emotional yeah. leader. But, you know, he's got to grow into that. He's almost 30 years old, man. Like, at some point, it's got to be you too, you know? If, if I was Kawhi, I would have my people contact the reporter, get a list of who was complaining, and be like, those are the ones that need to go. Right. <laughs> those are the ones, as we look at remaking the roster, these are the ones that we don't need to resign, or these are the pieces that we need to trade away. Right. You need to get out of my uh, business and hit some damn shots. Yeah. All right. That's what you need to know. Brought to you by Morongo. Play it safe. Good times. All right. So. Everyone wants to... Uh, it's 4-1 to one now, by the way. Yeah, four, I did see yeah. that, yeah. yeah Diego yeah. Castillo's having a rough uh, inning here in relief. But the uh, for the race, the... Ooh, and it... Oh, I was going to say. No, they got a double play, so it looks like they got out of it now. But, so a lot of people are upset about the Dodgers. And we're taking your calls at 877-710-ESPN, 877-710-3776. We will take you up to 6 o'clock and turn it over right to Dodger baseball here on this station. So make sure you stay tuned for that. But good Lord, there are so many things. So we've been playing the blame game. People have been calling us and giving us their thoughts, whether it's the hitting, the lack thereof, right? Friedman, uh, Roberts, Kershaw, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Steve, find me when you get a chance. Find me that A-Rod cut that we played earlier. I want to play that in a second. But we just we, we discovered this Alex Wood quote. 
And and it really it LZ, you mm-hmm. made a great assessment. Um, when we were talking about this a segment or so ago, uh, during the break, you actually made the perfect uh, analogy. Uh, so I'm going to read the quote because it's got Dodger fans fired up, and understandably so. So this is Alex Wood yesterday after the game talking to reporters uh, about finding motivation in the postseason, right? And he, he had some thoughts on why it's been so hard for L.A. to find the energy when down in games. And here's the quote. I think one of the hard things for this team and this organization is that you get so used to winning the division every year. You make a deep run in the postseason a lot of years. You have a lot of guys that have a lot of experience in these type of games. And so that's great, but also it can become you start to feel stagnant a little bit, at least speaking for myself. Passion-wise or that ability to get up for big a big series in a big game when things like this have become almost expected and normal. So it, my response to that is, I, I could understand that again if you've won something, right? Like, right. You, you know, it's like, ah, you know, it's hard to get up for this NLDS. It's hard to get up for this NLCS because we've been winning or getting to the World Series so many times. You know what I mean? And it's like LeBron James has been to the NBA Finals ten times. He's yeah. lost six of them. He's won four of them, obviously most recently this past year. Every time he gets to the NBA Finals, he finds a way to get up for the, for the series. <laughs> you know, when he's in the right. conference finals – he gets up for the series. When he's in the second round, he gets up for the series. But your explanation, I thought, was interesting. You compared the Dodgers. Because I said, uh, we were, you know, I was referring to flipping the switch. And I made the Clippers consp- comparison. And I said, it's like the Clippers thinking they could flip the switch when they hadn't won anything. But you actually had the, a really good analogy with the Dodgers and what team they were in the NBA. Yeah, I, I think they're more of the Houston Rockets, driven by analytics mm-hmm. and, and very successful during the regular season doing something that is really hard to other teams to replicate, which is rely upon the three. The problem is, and like we rely upon the home runs, the problem is is that when you get into postseason, whether it's the basketball postseason or the baseball's postseason, is that you're facing better teams. Mm-hmm. And they're prepared for what you like. And you have to be able to adjust whether it's adjusting how you score if you're the Houston Rockets or adjust how you score if you're the Dodgers. And the Dodgers are are shooting threes when they're being guarded from three or the three is not falling. And that's exactly what happened yesterday. It's like we, for whatever reasons, went back to our old habits of not manufacturing runs and not keeping the pressure on opposing pitchers by dinking them to death, a death by a thousand cuts, we kept looking for the home runs. There wasn't a home run that's going to bring us back being down 10-2. <laughs> like, like, that's not how you come back from something like that. And I don't know if it's a cultural thing within that clubhouse. I don't know if it's the decision-making. I don't know if you blame the construction of the team, the way that Friedman has put this team together, that we don't have a lot of guys who can score, who can hit the ball from a variety of different ways. All I know, George, is that Every year that I've been in this city and all the years in which I've been a Dodger fan, which has been, you know, long, um, we are handcuffed by our inability to score with runners in scoring position. And I think yesterday's at bat with the bases loaded is the epitome of why we're struggling right now. The epitome. Everyone's looking for a grand slam. Yeah, everyone's trying to hit that big three ball yes. to change the, the momentum of the Just game. Just get a guy across the plate Yeah, without yeah. getting out. 
That's Mookie, it. Mookie Betts batting two of 14 in this series. Bellinger, three of 16. Pollock, two of 10. Taylor, one of 11. Will Smith, two of 16. That is the meat of the lineup, right? Combined 10 of, for 67, 149. Uh, in this series. Yeah, it, it's been a real challenge. I don't think there's any question. 877-710-ESPN, 877-710-3776. Steve is in Anaheim. Steve, how are you? Good. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me on the show. I'm a, a, a rideshare driver. I listen to ESPN all day long. I love the L.A. Dodgers. And it's real simple. This is a hundred-year-old truth, and I think all of us need to stop being true, and especially... Oh. Baseball truth has been there forever, which is World Series are won pitching and defense. And the Dodgers have been so close for so many years because their focus is on having an incredibly good, high-powered offense. Not to say they don't have a good defense because they do this year, but they are not there with their pitching. They're one or two really good starters away and one massive closer away from having a dominant run at the World Series, and they're, and they're just looking the wrong direction. Thank you, Steve. Stay healthy, stay safe, and thank you again for listening. And, again, we'll take you up till 6 o'clock where we turn it over to Dodger baseball. Speaking of uh, that, we will uh, have more live tweeting from Dodger expert Greg Bergman. Dodger expert Greg Bergman, the bullpen has certainly struggled. I know that uh, our friend Dylan Hernandez wrote about that and blamed Andrew Friedman for not solidifying that. You and I did question – uh, at the time, you and I had conversations. LZ and I have had these conversations uh, before we started this show and, and during that we were kind of surprised at the trade deadline. They did not make a move. Uh, there were there were moves for them to try to make, and, and they were in on some stuff, but they never got anything accomplished. But bullpens are volatile. And, you know, Andrew Friedman is the first one to say that. And I know they were great during the regular season, but the, the closer situation has put an added stress, I believe, on the bullpen and so how do you feel about what steve said about kind of the lack of pitching prowess here particularly in this series i mean uh, it's it's a little bit different i mean they brought in blake trinan to make to make up for any fault right but blake trinan was also a guy who i saw blow up in washington for five runs in his in an inning like it's not like right, blake, trinan. On, on a- blake blake trinan was not mariano rivera you know what i mean like that's not what they brought in no, but they. I'm just. They were bringing him in to try and make that to to fix that issue. Bruzdar Gratterall was throwing 100 miles an hour with amazing movement on, and everybody thought that's the guy that's going to be taking over the closer role. And then Victor Gonzalez came up, and he was pitching out of his mind, and people were like, "Wow, this guy could do it." Or it could be Julio Urias, or 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 Dustin May, or or whoever else you want to be. They all just it's bullpens are volatile, like you said, and they blew up. Nothing was going to change any of that stuff. They brought in the right guys. The guys just didn't get it done. Uh, I, it is tough. It's just baseball sometimes. Sometimes it is just that. And you baseball. keep saying that. You keep saying that. You, you, you're very angry when I say that. You get very well, angry. Well, because it's not just baseball <laughs> for everybody else. I mean, it is. For, for some reason. part of that, for, too. For some reason. Like, no one's repeated in the eight years, right? Right, that's it's, actually it's, perfect. A perfect description it's, of it's, it's just baseball. So every, so no, so everyone else gets an opportunity to get to the mountaintop. But when it's our turn to climb to the mountaintop, and we fall, we go, hey, it's the mountain. There, there's a lot of rock, a lot of luck, you know, in this stuff. Let me go to Raul in Santa Monica. Raul. Yeah, hi, George. Uh, I'm just going to keep it real for you guys. Uh, 
Listen, uh, the blame game, it's 99% Dave Roberts. He comes up short in three areas. He doesn't have the foresight to pull the pitcher two batters before, number one. Number two, he doesn't push the right buttons in the bullpen in the postseason. Number three, he doesn't allow to play small ball when we should in the postseason. And the quicker you guys in the media and, more importantly, the management realizes the quicker we can pull the plug on Dave Roberts, have a parade, and to sum up Dave Roberts' five-year career, take a picture of a scarecrow, put Dave Roberts' face on it, and say, Dorothy, if I only had a brain. Hashtag Dave Roberts, if I only had a brain. Wow, Raul. Clearly a fan. Thank you for the call of Dave Roberts. Yeah, I'm not oh here for all that, though. I mean, that seems excessive, is it what is I would ex- say. It is excessive. I mean, for the love of God. It is excessive. Yeah. Like, okay, Brainiac, what did you do yesterday? Say you pull Kershaw, you know, at the end of Where five. are you going now? Where are you going? Yeah. <laughs> because the rest of it behind him didn't do so well either. They were worse. Yeah. They were worse. Yeah. And on top of that, the bat still didn't show up. Uh, let me try Sylvester and Rancho Cucamonga. What's up, Sylvester? Hey, what's up? Uh, first-time caller. Um, I just wanted to talk about the Dodgers. Hello? Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I just want to talk about the Dodgers. Um, I think we didn't put any pressure on the rookie pitcher um, last game. Uh, like on game three when Mookie ran it out to first and he was safe and we put pressure on the pitcher. We started making mistakes, and we started capitalizing on them. Uh, and I don't even blame Kershaw at all. I mean, Kershaw, um, he got us through one run and through five, six innings, and um, we didn't have him um, to back it up or anything. So okay, I feel uh, like I mean that that that's fair. And th- thank you for the call, buddy. Appreciate it. Stay healthy, stay safe. All right, we're gonna switch gears here. So at five thirty, there are some prominent guys who they're not saying that Kershaw is the main reason. But what they're saying is that Kershaw had played a role in this. And it's Alex Rodriguez, it's David Ortiz, and it's Frank Thomas. And we're going to hear from them at 530. Uh, But in the interim, we are going to talk some Rams football because there's a big game this weekend. The Rams are in a position to really kind of put the Niners away, maybe potentially. I don't know about away, but put them in a really tough bind uh, in a division where they're trying to keep pace with the Seahawks, which could be the best division in football right now. So... Uh, We will talk some Rams football with J.B. Long here in just a second, so stick around for that. Um, And then we will get back to Dodger talk here at 5.30, including you're going to hear what Alex Rodriguez, David Ortiz, and Frank Thomas had to say about Clayton Kershaw's performance. And if you're trying to defend Kershaw, you may not love it. So we'll have that for you. So stay, stay tuned. We'll take more of your calls at 877-710-ESPN. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Sedano and LZ with you here, guys. Let me know when JB is there. We'll talk a little Rams because people are hot, though, about the Dodgers. Good Lord. Bergman, you wanted to say something. You said something during the break that you I know you wanted to say real quick about the Dodgers because the Astros are finding themselves in a situation where they were down 0-3 and couldn't find themselves in the World Series. They'd be the second team to do that 
uh, since the or the first team since the Boston Red Sox did it in 04. But what what would be your your thoughts on this if they even the series and found their way to win four in a row here? How would you blame? Look, this is the easiest blame I've ever had to give. If the Astros make the World Series and the Dodgers don't. It is Steve Mason's fault. Ooh. He put it into the world that he, he wanted Houston Astros in the World Series. He did do that. Yes, they were did. down 3-0 and yeah. about to be 3-3. This will be Steve Mason's fault. I mean, that is as mushy of a mush as you can get if, if you're, they're down 3-0. <laughs> and then you say you want them in the World Series. Um, uh, and then I they mean, get there and they go, where you at? Yeah, right. <laughs> Right. I mean, there is, there is a Mason curse, right, uh, Greg? Oh, yeah. There's absolutely a Mason curse. It's mostly when he's there at the games, not so much at home. Like right. the Lakers just won. He wasn't there. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. This 2020 yeah. is a weird year, though. Uh, but 2020 weird. has brought us a chance to talk to J.B. Uh, Long, uh, who is the voice of your Los Angeles Rams. And, of course, you can check out uh, their game and all the coverage this Sunday. Uh, as the Actually, yes, this mo- Sunday? Yes, this Sunday as the uh, Rams take on the San Francisco 49ers. So, JB, look, I think a lot of people look at this situation, and thank you for joining us. Um, I think a lot of people look at this situation and they say to themselves, ah, the Niners, you know, whatever, who cares? They're not that good. Um, But I don't know, man. Like, I'm not putting it past Kyle Shanahan and that group, even with all the injuries. Like, I don't think you can look past any divisional opponent in a division that's so competitive like this one. Hey, Sedona, yeah, I agree with you. I, I hope we wake up Monday morning and that's what we're talking about. Like, man, the 49ers really weren't that good. They really aren't the 2019 San Francisco 49ers, and they may be knocked out of the postseason here in mid-October. Um, but I'm like you. As of Friday night, I, I can't sense that being the reality. I do believe that if you were to just look at the rosters on paper, the Rams should be very confident in their chances. They should go into Levi's feeling like they are the favorite, and if they execute their game plan, they should win. That being said, there's still some juice to this this Kyle Shanahan-led 49er franchise. Uh, And human nature is such that it's just hard for me to believe that they're going to lose three games in a row and that they're going to start the season after they won the NFC Championship by losing four home games. Like, that just just doesn't compute. I hope it's the case, of course, for the Rams' sake, but uh, I'm with you. I I think this is going to go down to the wire. Well, I mean, we saw what happened to the Falcons after they lost in the Super Bowl. And we know that with other teams as well, even with the Rams, for instance, you know, a Super Bowl defeat can bring a hangover to the next season. So I'm not too shocked by where the Niners are right now. But as far as the home team is concerned, JB, how do we know if we're good or not? Even if we beat the Niners, this is a losing team again. We've already beaten up a a bad division like, are we good, or are we taking advantage of the schedule? Yeah, LZ, it's a great question. Like, I know they're good. This is a good team. Uh, Sean McVay has liked this team from the jump. Uh, I know that they swept an NFC East that unfortunately does not come with a automatic berth to the playoffs in a conference championship. Um, but I don't think it's going to be some time yet before we know if they're great. And even if they are fortunate enough to beat the 49ers, it's going to be well beyond that. But here's how I kind of address that narrative year after year for any number of teams. In the NFL, I don't think it's so much about the power rankings, and it's not like college football where like the, the style points matter. In the NFL, it's about banking wins whenever you can get them, and so there's no reason to apologize for getting four against the NFC East. That's the schedule you got. That was a crossover matchup you got. 
your only responsibility is to win the games that you're supposed to and that you can. And if that puts you in a position in January to make a run, then you hope to have as many key pieces healthy and ready to roll as you can. And so the first part of that equation is off to a great start. And if the Rams can make another win, their fifth on Sunday, they should. They better. It's incumbent upon them to do so. But I think it'll be December, early January before we know if they've got both the good fortune and the roster to, to make a run at this thing. J.B. Long, the voice of your Los Angeles Rams, joining us here on Sedano and LZ. And look, the Rams are fourth in both total yards and fourth in yards allowed this season. Like, they've done a really good job on both sides of the ball. But I think the biggest difference this year, J.B., is really the offensive line. Like, they've got, you know, great performances out of Whitworth and Edwards and Blythe. And, like, the offensive line is a cohesive unit this year, and that hasn't necessarily been the case for a little bit here. That's exactly right. And they doubled down on that group. Like, they did not address the offensive line in free agency and hardly at all in the draft. I mean, they took a seventh rounder, which is basically like jumping in the college free agent pool ahead of time. Um, and they said, we have what we need in-house. And I remember the sentiment back in March and April, and there was not a lot of consensus on that decision. But right now it's looking good. And you're exactly right in terms of the best thing that they had going for them when they had success in 17 and 18 was being able to start the same five starting offensive linemen uh, for games that mattered. And so far, so good in that regard here in 2020. But there's another kind of element that I think dovetails with that point you make, which is McVay knows how to use that offensive line, and so does Jared Goff. And I think the structure of this offense, the design of his play calling, is such that he's putting that line and his quarterback in position to succeed, to leverage their strength. And if that means that you're going to have the lowest average depth of target, not to get too granular on you for your quarterback, then so be it. If he's accused of being a, a system quarterback, that's fine because he's one of the most accurate and lethal quarterbacks in the league. And you got guys who can do damage after the catch. They're not the first West Coast offense. They won't be the last. It's proven. It's successful. And they've got the tools to, to make it work to their advantage. Right now the team is averaging a little over 400 yards a game, um, fourth in the league in this category. Obviously the head of this is Jared Goff. Why isn't his name being mentioned more as an MVP candidate considering the team's record and the offensive success? Well, that's, that's a phenomenal question and one that seems like we tackle every year. You know, last year was subpar for Jared, but when he's at his best, he's never mentioned in the category of, of Mahomes and, and Russell Wilson. Part of it is, like, look, those guys have had really, really good seasons and careers, and they're elite. There's no arguing with that. Um, but for what the Rams want to do, there aren't many better skill sets than what Jared has to offer. And I think he'll always, unfortunately, be dinged for working with Sean McVay. He'll always be discounted because, you know, he was inactive to start his career under Jeff Fisher and, uh, and didn't take over the reins until midseason and then, and then lost his first seven games. So uh, I think that perception will never go away. And Jared, um, to his everlasting credit has not let it derail his career has not let it um you know impact his confidence whatsoever so you know i'm not sure there'll ever come a day where jared is is firmly in or atop the mvp conversation we're living in a golden era of quarterbacking and that's okay uh his results and the rams wins i think speak for themselves 
JB Long, the voice of your Los Angeles Rams with us here. Speaking of, uh, you know, changing the narrative, uh, I don't know if you're a big TV fan, but the show Dexter is returning to Showtime because they need to redeem themselves after a disappointing yeah. ending. It's going to have like a, uh, a limited series release. I think they're doing 10 episodes to kind of get it right. Uh, what is the most disappointing ending to a series that JB Long watched for many years? And we do not mean the NLCS series. Yeah, no, either. right. That yes. doesn't count. Yes, yes. yes. Ooh. Uh, so I, I was into Dexter. Like up until what was when did the Trinity Killer wrap up? Was that season three or four? I want to say four. Yeah. I mean, I was all into that point. Um, it was sensational. But my thing with Dexter was at some point he had to get caught. I, at least I felt. Right. Um, and, and, and when that was clearly not going to happen, and then when they got into, gosh, I forget what the, the one was after that, but I, I bailed. At some point I just bailed. Like if, Why? If get wow. Caught. What are you talking um, about? They haven't found out who killed Pac. Why yeah. do you think they're going to catch Dexter? <laughs> That's a good point. That's a good point. I, I'll say this. Will you watch the limited run, the 10-episode the limited run then? Do you think I need to catch up on everything that's happened since I failed to enjoy the limited run, or do you think that's kind of standalone? I don't know. That's a great question. I mean, you know, that I, I don't know. Uh, maybe I'd have to do a little extra digging on that. But um, perhaps you should watch the limited run, and then if you feel the need to go back to answer some questions, maybe you do it that way. That's a good call. And, and in the meantime, I'm struggling to find something that, like, disappointed me the most. Well, you bailed on Dexter, so that's a pretty good one, actually. <laughs> yeah, I, I, but in terms of something that I, that I saw. That you watched to the end. Line, like yeah. the Seinfeld like, ending. Left wanting yeah. more. Like, I think Lost is probably the, the most disappointing one oh, that comes to mind. Uh, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they were always just lost, though. You know what I mean? Like, it feels like to me, kind of like your point with Dexter, they weren't going to catch him. They were always just lost. Right. You know, yeah, that could just be my own like naivete that I thought that there was going to be some grand conclusion to that <laughs> on out network TV show. But like, I mean, I, I love the way Sopranos ended. Yeah, um, I did I'm too. Good with actually. how The Wire ended. Yeah. I thought The Americans had one of like the all-time great. Endings. That was pretty so good. I, that was good. That was pretty yeah. good. I think yeah. more, more often than not, I'm pleasantly surprised. Yeah. Well, we hope for the Rams to have a good ending on Sunday Night Football on NBC, and of course, you can listen to the game right here on this very station and our pregame coverage begins uh i believe at three o'clock greg did i have that right or is it earlier uh yes three twenty. okay there you go so three twenty, uh right on the nose is when our coverage begins jb we'll be listening brother thank you so much for joining us thank you sir Sedano, hey if i haven't said it yet you guys crushed it all hoop season long and i know it was a long hoop season so <laughs> good on you and uh thanks brother it's only a year Greg's sake uh, i hope the dodgers can extend it a bit too yeah, thank you, man. Appreciate it. As LZ said, it was only over, uh, you know, 365 days, but I think we nailed it. Uh, all right, man, take care. All right, have a good weekend. See you, you too. Hey, LZ, before we get to Alex Rodriguez, Frank Thomas, and David Ortiz telling us that Clayton Kershaw has more to do with this loss the other day than maybe we're leading on, Sit down on LZ, roll it on here on 710 ESPN. We take you up to 6 o'clock. Dodger baseball coming on after us. This is one of the best hip-hop beats. It is. This is in my top 20. It is. Uh, but you know which one I also like? What? Um, you know, Kanye and Jay-Z in Paris. Can't say the name of the song. What in, what's in Paris, George? <laughs> there are people in Paris. 
I don't know that song, People in Paris. How yeah. does it go? Well, you should Google it because I'm not going to say that <laughs> word by any stretch of the imagination, even if it's just the name of a song. Ah. Uh, so, but you I gave I, me George. I was looking for Jorge. Yeah, ah. that, that beat, that beat is, is to yeah, me, that's is. my favorite beat of a song. Yeah. If Kanye's politics were like his beats, I would never probably know voting for him. <laughs> Uh, speaking of politics, baseball politics was uh, all over the map uh, this offseason, and the Astros were at the center of all of it. They are leading 5-1 to one in the bottom of the sixth inning. Greg Bergman, they are four, three innings away from tying this series after being down 0-3. How do you feel, Dodger expert Greg Bergman, about the Astros being one game away? from being in the World Series after you ridiculed them, you mocked them, we all hate them, we want them to lose. And Steve Mason put it in the atmosphere that they'll be in the World Series, that he wanted to see them. And now they could be on the precipice of being there. How would the world react? I still blame Rob Manfred for all of this. This is all garbage. I am very. I mean, wait upset. a second. We can blame Manfred for a lot of things, but actually, once they make the playoffs, what are you blaming him no, for? No, because he because he extended. Right, they shouldn't have been there. They extended the playoffs for this year because they felt like they wanted to make it bigger for whatever reason, and they were twenty nine and thirty one. There was no reason for them to be in the playoffs. None. They shouldn't have been anywhere near it. It's nonsense. It is nonsense. Makes me mad. They drag out poor old Dusty so nobody can say anything bad about him and stuff. They did drag out Dusty to be a meat shield. There's no yeah. question. Because <laughs> who doesn't like Dusty Baker? You know what I mean? They even made him, the worst part, not to bring up old stuff, but the worst part was that they made Dusty sit at the conference table during yeah. the initial press conference. Right, right. Like he was involved with the cheating. Yeah, Dusty yeah. was at the crib ha- hanging out. He was absolutely the meat shield. That's what he was. Uh-oh, you know who's warming up for the Astros? Who? Scrub. Ah, he wasn't a scrub yesterday. So. He was not. He has not been a scrub in this series in the last three games. I don't know why I'm rooting for Tampa Bay. I've never rooted for Tampa Bay doing anything in my life yes. other than, as I said before, like making sure I land is safety with connections. Right. But other than that, I don't care about the city of or the teams of Tampa I, Bay. I am also someone who doesn't care much about the city of Tampa Bay or Tampa or the just the surrounding St. Petersburg area. Uh, and I grew up in Florida, and I have nothing good redeeming to say about that area of the there's, state. There's that nice little <laughs> pocket with the park and everything by the water. Yeah. That's kind of nice with a St. Petersburg, I guess. Yeah, they do have great gentlemen's clubs there, though. Yeah, and strip bars. <laughs> Um, the one most famous in the country at one point, Mons Venus, uh, was the was the spot there. Um, and look, but the one redeeming thing is that Key won a Super Bowl there. He did. He did. Yeah. Two thousand two, right? Almost twenty years yeah. ago. Two thousand two. Yeah. Sweet Jesus, Key getting old. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, um, God, if the Astros make it, how mad are people going to be? Eight seven 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 ten ESPN. So we'll get to your calls. Uh, give us your thoughts on the Astros and how upset this would make you. Also, how upset are you at the Dodgers? We're playing the blame game. Uh, so, Steve, get me that sound so that I was calling for. So here's the deal. We've been playing the blame game. And, and look, I have defended Clayton Kershaw a ton. And, look, I do think that, like everything, there's a lot of different parts to this. The hitting stinks, like LZ says. So, you know, you know how I feel about Hashtag it's just baseball, right? Sometimes there's just bad luck involved here. But I do think that Clayton 
could have done things better yesterday. And I'm not the only one. Here are guys who have been at the top of the game. Alex Rodriguez, Frank Thomas, and David Ortiz. Here's what they had to say about Clayton and his predictability at this stage of his career. Let me hear it. One of the things, I'm going to bring you inside the dugout on how Poppy <clears throat> and Big Hurt and I would talk if we were facing a guy like, like Kershaw. Number one, I remember 95, 3-2 pitch when the Yankees played the Mariners. 150 pitches for David Cohn, 3-2 split to Doug Strange and walked them. We will say he'll never give in. If we're talking, Poppy, you and I, we're going to say, okay, give me two scouting reports on Kershaw. And we'll say, okay, make sure nobody's listening. All right, fellas, here's the thing. Back off off the plate. He's going to throw in, cheat in, and every time he'll throw it there. And then number two, if you get to a 3-2 count, you can swing. He'll never walk you. He does not want to walk you. Right. That's very comforting. You just get in swing mode. 3-2 pitch is the pitch that hitters chase the most. If you have a, a guy that's not willing to walk you, it's just comfortable. You just start your swing, and like that 3-2 curve by Osuna, if he bounces, it is a strikeout because Osuna wants to swing. Right. And so, coming in tonight, 19 strikeouts, one walk, to your point. You can't let your ego stubborn, stubborn. Exactly. you, you got to be able to play poker. Look, I think Alex is right about this, and that's courtesy of Fox Sports uh, yesterday. I, LZ, professional hitters, they have – 0.9 seconds more times than not to react to a pitch, okay? Yep. So let's be real. A lot of the times guys are going up there and they're guessing to some extent. Now, it's educated guesses, right? Because they, they do film study, they understand the pitchers and usually what they do on certain counts, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, to Alex's point, right? So if you're going up there as a professional hitter and you know he's going to try to hit, you know pitch you inside, pitch you inside, pitch you inside – you you have a good idea of what counts he's going to do that on. So you can eliminate certain things out of the gate, and you can say, all right, I'm just going to stay back, and I'm going to go, and I'm going to wait until I, I, I see his pitching inside. I'm going to take a step back, and I'm going to attack the ball that way. The other part of it is, to his point, the latter point, which is on a three and two count. He doesn't want to walk you. He's a perfectionist, right? He wants mm -hmm. to put you away. He doesn't necessarily have the stuff that he once had to be able to blow you away. In the regular season, to your point earlier, it's different than the postseason. The pitchers who have the best postseason success, okay, are pitchers that can blow it past you, okay? We were talking about the Braves run earlier. Now, Greg Maddox's ERA... Uh, the difference between his playoff and regular season ERA isn't all that much, but the difference... In, in, a, in a situation in the postseason can come down to one pitch, okay? To your point earlier about he's had moments where you're like, mm, he didn't come through. But you know who came through a lot for the Braves in that run? John Smoltz. How did yep. John Smoltz do that? Because he could rear back and throw 97 to 99 pretty much every pitch. So I think that that's where Alex makes a lot of sense when it comes to Clayton. That We've talked about Clayton's evolution as a pitcher, but there's still parts of that evolution that haven't come full circle yet. And, and that seems to be part of it. I'm not putting all the blame on him, on him, but I'm saying that he did play a factor in there a little bit. He had to be almost perfect considering how poor his hitting has been. Yeah, I, listen, there are plenty of games. Sorry about that, my flask drop. Um, there are plenty of games in which you can look back in the postseason and say Clayton just blew up. Mm -hmm. Clayton didn't have sure. it. Sure, Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I just don't feel like last night, and I'm doing this in a silo, and I recognize that, um, but last night just wasn't on him. Not to me. Um, when the opposite pitcher that you're facing 
is someone with an enormous ERA who's never been in that position before, and you have this lineup with this bat. We have multiple MVPs. Yeah. And they're prime. And they're and, not performing. And they're just not performing. Yeah. And so if you're Clayton Kershaw, every inning that goes by in which your guys can't get a score, you're all of a sudden facing two opponents and not just one. And I know that people are asking, you know, or suggesting that I'm making excuses for him and, um, you know, and Dave because they're nice guys and, you know, blah, 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 blah. I'm not making excuses. I'm just looking at the all the numbers. And the only number to look at is not Clayton Kershaw's 4.31 ERA. It's also the BA, the batting average, when he pitches in the postseason. How much run support is he getting? Last night, he got none. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. And look, we're going to – we've got a lot of stuff we still got to get to. we got a lot of people on hold that want to talk to us about this Dodgers situation. And again, Dodger baseball at 6 o'clock on this very station. Um let me sneak in Manny and Glendale real quick. Manny, um, tell me what you're thinking. What what are you where are you placing the blame? We'll take more calls in the last segment of the show, but go ahead, Manny. I appreciate it, guys. Love the show. Uh, just a few points. Um, I agree wholeheartedly with L Z. I mean, uh, Clayton Kershaw is uh Oh, Manny, we lost you. Oh, in the posting as well. He's not getting any support really. Um L Z already rattled off the averages for our guys. And they have to remember that, like Elsie said, we got to adjust. I mean, we're taking too many meatball fastballs, first pitch probably, and second pitch, expecting that we're going to see more. And we obviously don't, which leaves us chasing something way outside, up high, or down in the dirt. And it's making us look terrible. So I think it's a perfect storm of systemic issues with expecting the home run, like you mentioned too earlier. I think a better example, I don't think you guys mentioned it, was at the end of game two. We have um, Belly, 90 feet away. And uh, AJ, uh, who had a great regular season. And uh, if you look at the replay, the third baseman was practically in left field. I mean, you got to do something yeah. crazy to get people started. We yeah, you got to – well, no, you do – against they, the they shift, they, they performed really poorly. Uh, I, yeah, I, I mean, I don't think there's any question. We were just talking about the Astros, and thank you for the call, uh, Manny, but we're up against it. You know, we're, they're, they're going opposite field in those situations. And, and you, you, the, the approach at the plate outside of – the one game they've won where they were super aggressive, um, it, it needs to vary more is what I would say. And, and I think that they, they have – they were extra aggressive again yesterday and it backfired on them because the, the Braves adjusted to where they were throwing, uh, you know, to what parts of the zone they were going to throw to. All right, we've got to take a quick break. We've got one more segment to go, including Justin Turner and the Dodgers group text message. Okay, Ooh. we've got some uh, some some reporting on that. We'll have that for you in a second. We're going to be back in less than three minutes. Sit down on LZ with you here. Last segment would we'll take you up to Dodger baseball here in just a few minutes. So stick around. So LZ, before we get to the final calls here at eight seven 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 ten ESPN eight seven 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 ten three seven seven six. And Steve, when you have a second, just uh, tell Greg so he can text me the out time for the show today. Um, we talked about. Justin Turner. So Justin Turner spoke to the media earlier today, and mm -hmm. he defended Clayton Kershaw, okay? He said that Clayton threw the ball really well last night. The team just did not do their part at the plate to give him support. Here's what he also said. Quote, guys are loose and ready to go. We know what's in front of us, and we're ready to attack this thing one pitch and one inning at a time. And apparently he referred to guys being fired up on the team's group text last night. How does that make you feel? 
Are you serious right now? Yeah, I'm serious. That's what he said. They were fired up in the group text? Yeah. Man. So you got one pitcher saying our passion is, you know, dissipated in these situations. Right. You got another star player saying, well, on group text, we were ready to go. So who's right? Yeah. I think they're both right. Yeah. And that's the problem. Yeah. I don't need you fired up in group text. Hell, ignore the group text. I need you fired up on the field. Right. And by the way, for those that don't know what we're talking about, about the pitcher with the quote, Alex Wood said this after the game yesterday to reporters, quote, I think one of the hard things for this team and this organization is they get used to winning uh, the division every year. You make a deep run in the postseason a lot of years. You have a lot of guys that have a lot of experience in these types of games. And that's great, but it also can become that you start to feel stagnant a little bit, at least speaking for myself, passion-wise, or that ability to get up for a big series in a big game when things like this have become almost expected and normal. So it does feel like a little bit of contrasting uh, commentary there. What, is, what, is, what does it look like in a group text to be fired up? Is it like putting memes? Oh, like putting cursing? Gifts? I mean, there's yeah. a lot of cursing. Yeah. I mean, how, I mean, what do our group texts look like? <laughs> but, but here's the thing, though. Like, normally, when I'm fired up in a group text, it's about what someone outside of me has done, mm-hmm. right? Whether I'm commenting on something political or talking about what so-and-so, so-and-so said, like Ice Cube or Kanye or whatever. Like, right. it's in reaction to an outside force. I don't get fired up over what happens internally. Right. <laughs> so I'm like, who are you mad at on this group text? You're fired up. How are you fired up? Are you saying, dog, you need to come through in these moments? Right. Are you saying, I didn't come through in these? Like, what exactly are you saying in this group text besides we got to win? Yeah, hell yeah, 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 yeah. Because that's not going to get it done. There needs to be some accountability on this squad when it comes to the offense. Yeah, I would agree wholeheartedly with that. There does need to be, I, I think, forget about just the offense, just kind of across the board. You know what I mean? But I, I mean, but the everyday players, I guess, is my point. You right. know, the everyday guys, you know, our two MVPs who are supposed to be the cornerstones of this franchise for the next decade. Well, this cornerstone is on rocky ground, on shaky ground right now. The foundation is not solid. Yeah. It's good material. Yeah. But Greg, that doesn't make you, a solid building. Why are you sending uh, gifts in our <laughs> Because I typed in fired up in the gift generator thing, and those are the first three that came so up. So the ones that come up are uh, Brock Lesnar from the WWE, like screaming and flexing his steroid-filled muscles. Uh, there are uh, There is the Elmo with the fire behind him. Oh, yeah. I'm ready to, I'm ready to win the World Series now, Whoa, baby. Let's go. There is, uh, there is uh, one of the Olsen twins when they were a, a child in uh, Full House that says, I'm pumped. It's baby. Michelle Tanner. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Those, are the, those are your fired-up memes for, uh, for the group I mean, that's text. getting me going. That's for sure. I'm ready, I'm ready to go, you know. Fired up and ready to go. Man, yeah. like they need – I don't know if like – Bron can zoom, do a Zoom call real quick, or yeah. AD, or yeah. Rondo. Sean McVay, even. Yeah. Sean McVay, you know, like yeah. somebody needs to be able to grab them, yeah. you know, and just say, look, you're down, but you're not out. But right. this is why you're down. And, and be honest with them. What is Luke Robitaille doing? Is he available? <laughs> Wayne Gretzky. Wayne yeah. Gretzky. Somebody. Rob Blake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, don't. if you want to start talking 94 hockey, like, I'm in. Like, I can talk <laughs> NHL 1994 all day long. Like, that. those were my years, the 90s, of talking hockey. The 90s. A- anything post-2000, eh, 
<laughs> but in the 90s, boy, I was I might have been the only Cuban kid ever watching hockey at that time. Um, so let me go to the phones. Eric is in Reseda. What's up, Eric? How are you? Well, if nobody's going to say it, then I'll say it. Unfortunately, Kershaw is the Don Sutton of his era because Don Sutton also did well during the season. Yeah. But he didn't hit his World Series ring until – I believe it was the 88 team, but he brought he, – this was after he went to Houston everywhere else and he finished his career one year back with the Dodgers. So, you know, here's the thing. This is where you got to start showing some heart. Forget – I agree. Forget this group text crap. You know what? You guys shouldn't even be relaxing because you haven't won a damn World Series yet. Yeah. You've been to the dance. You just haven't you, – you, I'm sorry. You just didn't take your wife to bed yet, you know. Whoa. She's left you at the altar, you know. And it's it's really too bad. And what even makes it worse, not it's now Dusty Baker's over at Houston, and it looks like they'd be winning, maybe winning, you know, taking it to a game seven. What's even worse? Not only he's with Houston now, and what if they take it to the dance and take the take the girl home? That's even that's nailing the coffin, guys. Yeah, yeah, buddy. Appreciate the call. Thank you so much. Um... Uh, Eric, thanks again for dropping by. Uh, the Astros just scored again. They are now up seven to one with a runner on third in the top of the seventh. It's oh, okay. Boy. It's all right. Tampa just needs to win one game. They do. Houston's the one that needed to win four in a row. They right. have the taller task. They do. Uh, but now each of them will have to. Once if this is over, if this holds, then each of them will just have to win one game. Why are you doing that, George? <laughs> Miguel, see, is I'm LA. trying to fire them up on a text, and you're like shutting them down with your yeah. facts. Miguel, dime algo. Say something to me. What's up, Miguel? Yeah, yeah George. Uh, you know, I'd have more confidence, but the problem is not only do we have to overcome the opponent, but we have to overcome Dave Roberts as a manager and his ineptitude. Uh, oh, do you think Dave Roberts will go down as the worst manager in the history of postseason baseball? No. Oh, come on. No. Come on, and Miguel. You, you waited and, online this long to talk to us, and now he's going to scream hyperbole? Come on. He's far from I mean, the, the worst. The worst? No, no. That's ridiculous. <laughs> George. Do you, George. Yes. Yeah. Do, do you think uh, um, Bruce Bochy or Mike Sosha could do a better job than Dave Roberts? And as far as Dave Roberts, he's the biggest buffoon and clown in baseball. No, right, you need to calm not. down, bro. All right, all right, listen, <laughs> there have been some pretty bad managers. Okay, listen, um, Ned Yost uh, was a pretty terrible manager until he won a World Series. Like I remember, people used to mock him openly. Okay, um, they, look, there have been plenty of bad managers. Uh, managers, by the way, and thank you for the call, Miguel. Uh, managers, by the way, Peter Gammons, who I would say is would you say lz like if you're thinking about baseball writers of a generation he's probably the guy who's who's probably the most knowledgeable baseball writer after all yeah. those years of covering the sport him and oni you know those are the two right right yeah yeah Buster. peter always used to say managers are good for about five games a year one way or the other you know what i'm saying like there's mm -hmm. not much of a difference there at the end of the day players got to play man like Man, the manager in baseball, and we got to run here in a second, but managers in baseball, it's fair to say, LZ, the least amount of control of any of the professional sports. Absolutely. Ab absolutely. And that was before, you know, the rule changes this year. Correct. Correct. <laughs> Correct. Uh, all right. We're done here. Dodger baseball is coming up in four minutes. LZ, excellent work as always. 
a brother. I'll talk to you on Monday when the uh, Dodgers are in the World Series. Hopefully that'll be the case. Dodger expert Greg Bergman, are you ready to tweet? Are your fingers ready? Clearly must, we'll take He we'll must take be in training. Easy. Yeah, he, mu- he yes. must be training. Are you training, Greg Bergman? No, no, no. No training needed. Okay. Thank you, Steve, for the help today. Thanks to those who called in, tuned in. Thanks to J.B. Long and Mac who joined us earlier. You guys have a great weekend. We will talk to you on Monday. Go Dodgers. See ya.